Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, uh, and with me is my pal, Sean the Arcade Phantom. How's it going, Craig? Doing pretty good. We're about to be talking about one of my favorite episodes of all time. Oh, I know, and I'm literally dying to be here. <laughs> no, like, if, I, if my voice sounds off, I'm, I'm seriously dying right now, but I wanted to record this one so bad. Yeah, we, uh, well, you don't have a say in the matter, because this is Black Widower. Sean, when did this episode first air? April 9th, 1992. Yeah, so in in this thrilling episode, Sideshow Bob is released from jail and courts Aunt Selma. Despite his insistence that he's mended his ways after framing Krusty the Clown, Bart begins to piece together his arch enemy's scheme. Man. Ta-da! <laughs> so good! So... Uh, Sean, uh, around the date that this episode aired, uh, you know, uh, April of uh, 92 there, what uh, what was going on in the world? So, I'm glad you said world and not America. Yeah? Because something big was going on around the world, but not over here. Over in Europe. What was that? On April 11th, 1992, Europeans got the release of the Super Nintendo. Really? The PAL release for Super Nintendo was a sad time. Yeah. Many RPGs that we got on our system, they did not get over there. No, they didn't. Chrono Trigger, Super Mario RPG, for example. They got the short end of the stick. Uh, did they get Earthbound? I don't remember if they did. I almost think they didn't. I think America's flop made them go, <laughs> not dealing with that. But there is a positive side for all of our you know, pal listeners out there who are eagerly anticipating your Super Nintendos, because <laughs> we're talking to you from the future. Yeah. You're going to get Terranigma, and we're not. That's a pretty sweet game. Terranigma, I don't know that it makes it all worthwhile, because they put up with a lot of nonsense, especially back then, let alone now. Uh, oh, yeah, Terranigma's so good. Terranigma's an amazing game, and America did not get it. They get Illusion of Time, not Illusion of Gaia. Yeah, that's just, why bother changing that yeah, whatever. They did get Mystic Quest. <laughs> Lucky them. Which is a whole naming fiasco if you look at the European name for Mystic Quest. Oh, it's just like Mystic Quest, right? There's no Final Fantasy yeah. thrown on it. And yeah, it's ridiculous. Because Final Fantasy, the Mystic Quest, was one of the Game Boy ones in Europe. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's just stupid. So now that I've excited you for the Super Nintendo in Europe, uh, press me, Craig. Let's go. Oh, boy. Sean, this, this is probably... I mean, this isn't necessarily like, you know... My my usual, hey, you know, apartheid is still out there. Hey, the world sucks. But, like, this might be one of the saddest things yet. So, after World War II, many Nazis escaped the country when the war was ending. Many fled to South America. And while uh, somebody like Adolf Eichmann was captured in Buenos Aires, uh, the Angel of Death escaped. 
Josef Mengele was an SS officer and physician at Auschwitz and was known for his deadly experiments on people and for being the judge, essentially, of who was executed via gas chamber. Uh, he escaped the continent when Auschwitz uh, fell to the Red Army. And he then went to it's kind of ridiculous, like how we got away, because like they didn't he didn't have the SS tattoo that all the other SS officers had. So when the Americans got a hold of him, they were just like, oh, he's just some random officer or so, like soldier. All right, you know, boot him out after like however long and he like got fake passports and like weaseled his way across uh, uh Europe and made his way over to uh Argentina, then to Paraguay and then finally Brazil. So, we're actually going to get a reference to this in the Simpsons later on because we will get reference to Adolf Hitler living in Argentina. <laughs> I know Hotelphone is a nuisance phone. Uh, but sadly, unlike that, which is hilarious because Hitler's really dead, um, it's a little more sad here. So, uh, like the uh, he was tracked by America and the uh, Israelis, uh, who were essentially Nazi hunters. That's like basically what their title was. They were like they they were trained to basically hunt down all of the officers and anyone who had any relevance to World War II's death camps, and. Uh, they hunted, hunted, hunted him down for the whole time that he was missing. But by the time he was found in 1985, he had been dead for years. He had had a stroke and drowned off the coast of Brazil in 1979. He got away with what he did for 30 fucking years and just lived a normal life. I mean, maybe a little bit of a paranoid life, but a pretty normal life nonetheless. He finally, as of the uh, taping of this episode just the day before, news had spread that DNA testing had finally gone through and confirmed that he was indeed Josef Mengele. Uh, so it wasn't until the, uh, April, about April 9th of 1992 when finally it was confirmed it really was him. Because you know they were not going to let that slide and just be like, oh, I guess it's him. So he passed away of a stroke and then um, drowning? Yeah, dr- uh, off the coast of Brazil, yeah. So he uh, choked to death. Good. Serves him fucking right. There's some irony for him. But you know what? That is a, just such a pale, pale shadow of what he should have had to go through. Should have gone through trial like all the other Nazis did, but, you know. So that's that's my super depressing news. So what do you say we jump into the episode and try to cheer up here? Because this is an amazing episode. Yeah, and it starts off with a super happy, fun note. Throwing shade at dinosaurs. Yeah, they are. Uh, so Bart comments because they're watching a television show where it's like a family of dinosaurs. And he's like, it's like they saw our lives and put it on TV. And Homer's like, they even have a baby. And, and you know, it shows like uh, uh, this little baby dinosaur hitting the dad dinosaur in the head with a frying pan. So Dinosaurs was a TV show that ran on ABC from 1991 to 1994 and depicted basically Muppet versions of dinosaur people. Yeah, it was really weird because it was it was like a legitimate sitcom. It was a legitimate sitcom, and the Simpsons writers really felt they ripped it off. Oh, well, yeah, they did. Which, if you watch Dinosaurs, it's real bad. Although it's the darkest final episode ever. Oh, the Ice Age? Yeah, everyone fucking dies. That's dark <laughs> as hell. Imagine you're watching Hey Arnold. You're like, oh, hey, Arnold and Gerald are going on an adventure. And everyone dies in the end of that show. Yeah, that is how dinosaurs end. Or you're watching Blossom, and she's going off on a nice, fun adventure through school, and then everyone dies in the end. <laughs> hey, did Cory and Topanga get together? Yeah, they did, but everybody died. Oh man, that's what's been happening to all my favorite shows. 
yeah, it, it's it, it's super ridiculous. The ending, the ending is worth watching if nothing else because it's so absurdly dark. It's so absurd for no reason. It would be like if Friends ended and we found out that they never passed two thousand one and they all went up in the twin towers and died. Yeah, like, it's that's dumb. how dark and absurd it is. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. I uh, so I uh, they're watching this uh, TV show. And uh, we find out that, you know, we see they're, they're actually in, like, suits and stuff. And the first reaction is, like, oh, they must be going to church because that's about the only time the Simpsons dress up. However, we find out that uh, Aunt Selma is, well, obsessed with not dying alone. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently she joined a prison pen pal system. And her new sweetie is a jailbird. Did you ever... Uh have a pen pal in like elementary school i did i had a pen pal from um yugoslavia one of the slavias which will soon know well actually i think in this point is no longer it's exists, no longer yeah. exists. Yeah. and um or soon won't uh exist i would have to double check that i don't know it was weird though like the messages cut off <laughs> abruptly and they called me little boy <laughs> sincerely little boy <laughs> My my leader has been replaced by the benevolent General Krug. All hail General Krug and his new regime. Sincerely, little girl. I, so yeah, I, 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 Aunt Patty tells the family, though, that she says that there's something a little disturbing, you know, and I, I like that everyone imagines before she tells him that, I, I, you know, he's from prison. I, I think Lisa imagines the elephant man. She does, um. Uh, what's that? Which it's the full version of the Elephant Man from the movie. Okay, yeah, the movie version. Uh, Which is a great movie. David Lynch movie. Oh my god, do I love that movie. Really? Hmm. Uh, Homer imagines a head hooked up to a machine, which might be the first precursor to Futurama. Yeah, we're going to get another one of those. Pretty soon, within the next season, I think. Uh, And then uh, uh, Bart imagines it's just Homer. Which is kind of hilarious and dark. And is the most disturbing choice that there could be. I uh, I like too that I uh, uh you know when when you know March is like, listen, he's 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 you know, he's gotten out of prison, he's reformed, he's an ex criminal. And Aunt Patty's like, Why aren't you using the nice silverware? And she's like, I'm just not. <laughs> and uh Bart is really excited because he can teach him how to kill a man <laughs> with a lunch tray. <laughs> And, you know, I got to say, uh, Sean, if I had a dollar every time my aunt got together with an ex-con, how many dollars would you have? I would have no dollars, Craig. Oh, really? I'd have two. Well, I mean... <laughs> Those I- are stories for another day, but I would legitimately have two dollars. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> uh-huh. to put myself in the running for this, uh-huh. my... And who passed away from a drug overdose probably had some ex-cons that she was dating at some point. So, um, yeah. That's yeah, I'm probably, fair. Probably on an even level just don't know about it. And I'm <laughs> maybe that's better yeah. off. Yeah, maybe that's for the best. And so they go to answer the door when the doorbell rings. And who steps out of the, the night air but Sideshow Bob? Who? Sideshow Bob is uh, the man who framed Krusty the Clown. In the episode, uh, Krusty Gets Busted, 
who, if if you're you know listening to this episode and you're not as familiar with The Simpsons, you might not know the first crime Bob committed was that he framed Krusty for armed robbery in an effort to get a hold of his show and take it over and do his create his own image. Yeah, for Bob being a criminal mastermind that he becomes later on, he started off really petty. You know what? He did start petty. But I will say that he did start very ingeniously. Like he he like did everything just so spot on. Yeah, not spot on enough if a little boy could catch him. Well, uh, you know, fair enough. But in in Bob's defense, we know that Bart is certainly does not impl- uh, apply himself. But we kind of know he's pretty shrewd. He's pretty smart. Oh, he's a, he's a smart kid. Bart has a very high intelligence that he doesn't use. Yes. He picked up French in like a month's time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff going for Bart's intelligence. And, you know, a lot of the book smart stuff, yeah, he relies on Lisa for, and it's a great dynamic. But, you know, Bart's a pretty clever guy. Uh, so the one thing I'm curious about is why the hell don't Aunt, doesn't Aunt Selma know about the Sideshow Bob thing? Bart like caught a criminal. Why wasn't that talked about at Sunday dinner or something? I'm sure she just doesn't care. That's probably the truth. The truth. Although she does see. I mean, like, you know, Aunt Selma and Patty, you know, don't like Homer, but they appreciate that he gave Marge children, and now Marge should just move on. And I feel like you know, even if they're not the well, then again, they stopped caring about Bart once he wasn't so cute. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, and then uh, uh, we jump into uh, uh, dinner, you know, because Bob has explained himself, you know, and uh, uh, Bart has, you know, told the story. And uh, Homer is talking about, you know, what he would do to uh, uh, snitches. Yeah, Homer wants to kill snitches. It is dark. Snitches get stitches, Sean. I mean, Homer is literally saying that he would shank the kid who put him in prison in front of his son who put him in prison. (laughs) Ah, but he is forgetting the first two noble truths of the Buddha. He is not. He is so. (laughs) Yes, he is. Uh, One, existence is suffering, and two, the cause of suffering is desire. Uh, which is an amazing moment, and uh, as far as that goes... Uh, this whole dinner scene is actually one of my favorite parts of this episode. It's so full of exposition that it, it should be boring, but we learn so much about Bob. Bob becomes so much more of a bigger character because of this scene. He really does. This is a great scene, and you're right. It is a lot of uh, info dumping. Yeah, like we learn that he's a Republican, which is huge later on. It is, and it's kind of weird that he became a Republican like for a few jokes in this, but like Kelsey Grammer himself is a Republican. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, as far as that goes, we find out that you know while uh, uh, you know. Bob was like picking up stuff on the side of the road, which is a reference to Cool Hand Luke. Yes, Cool Hand Luke. Thank you. That's the only reason you keep me here. So the movie <laughs> references. That is so true. Uh, but uh, you know, he's he's picking up like crusty burger packaging, which is this the first time we know that there is a crusty burger? No, I feel like we've seen it before, haven't we? Maybe. I'm I mean I'm trying to think and I can't there are a few moments where they get uh, chocolate milkshakes. We we have to have seen it before at this point in the series. There's no way we made it to the end of season three. And just I ma- I'm almost kind of tempted to say that it might be one of the first. I, at least there haven't been that many. Because I don't think there's that many moments where they go to the cr- like go out for burgers and stuff. 
Getting shakes is the only time I can think of, and that might be Krusty Burger. Hey, listeners, if you are paying attention to us, reach out to us on Facebook or Discord and let us know, because I'm really curious about this yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I, they had to have gone to Krusty Burger before. You would think, but I can't think of a moment. Uh, so... I, uh, you know, Bob's going through through his issues, like you know, he's picking up garbage. Krusty drives by and throws, like, or Mister Teeny throws a milkshake at him, and he's just miserable. And then he uh, uh, realizes that his anger has soiled, is you know, what should have been his proudest moment. It's the children's programming. Uh, I'm sorry, best supporting performer for children's programming at the daytime Emmys, and it has it has one of my favorite characters in all of the Simpsons. And they only appear once. Yep. We have droopy drawers, Aww. who's kind of a sad clown. We have Colonel Coward, who's pretty good. Now, we have uh, the final one, who because uh, I'm going to skip the best one. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have Suck Up the Vacuum, who's not there because he's filming a movie in Spain. And then we have Pepito, Pepito the, the biggest cat, cat in the world. whole wide world. And he looks so happy. It's this guy in a cat suit. He's got a sombrero. <laughs> it's so good. I, I paused on Pepito for a couple minutes just to laugh at Pepito. My favorite moment with Pepito is when they... Oh, and then, of course, Sideshow Bob. Uh, my favorite moment, though, is... Uh, when they announce uh, Krusty's on stage and he has to announce that Sideshow Bob is the winner and it shows the reactions of all those characters and like you know Droopy George is sad Colonel Coward is I don't know confused he looks a little weird but Pepito looks so sad and upset he's crying he's the poor giant cat in a sombrero so you want to know something adorable what's that so I have a really fat cat his Mm -hmm. name is Daniels and I was watching this episode writing notes Uh and I went upstairs to do something. I forgot what it was. And he was just laying his little fat butt around. And I was like, it's Pepito, <laughs> the happiest cat in the whole world. Look at him. He's so big. <laughs> the biggest cat in the whole wide world. I just love the way Krusty uh, uh, says the line, too. It's so good. But Sancho Bob wins. And he tells Krusty that it's one more Emmy than he'll ever win. You uh, bantering jack in the box. And Krusty makes a Drop the soap reference? Yeah, he does. Don't drop that thing in the shower, Bob? Wow. Implied rape in The Simpsons. I mean, it's way more culturally acceptable, especially back then, to make jokes about that. I I mean, yeah, you you got those jokes in SpongeBob, even. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember hearing about that. Uh, But I will hmm. say what bothers me more than that is the fact that the the guy who did Bart's uh, laser surgery is the one who uh, tranks Bob? Yeah, they said Dave Bob. <laughs> what the? And it's and it's the laser surgery guy from the very first episode. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I uh, yeah, they sedate him, and I uh, so you know Bob is complaining about being a Republican and and being in jail. And it's funny because it's like, I mean, isn't the gag that Republicans are more apt to put? You know, people in jail. Like, why? Why is he like having a problem with this? If anything, he should be more understanding of this. Because it's America's overcrowded prison system. Well, that's a that's a whole other yeah, can of worms. That's like a Patreon special and a half right there. So, one of my favorite parts of this uh-huh. is Bob asking if somebody used his. Chapstick. We were nothing more than animals. <laughs> Who used my chapstick? Oh, I did. Here you go. I don't even I don't, want it anymore. I don't want it. Oh, God, it's so good. I, and so I, 
Bart is talking, or I'm sorry, Bob is talking about how he wants revenge on Bart. And when he's making license plates, he has uh, uh, R.I.P. Bart, Die Bart, Bart D.O.A., which is dead on arrival, and then I.H. 8, which is I hate Bart. And uh, Bob tells everybody that, you know, he's if he wanted to kill Bart, he would have, but, you know, he's not gonna, you know. And so... Uh, Bob continues his story because, like you know, like you said, this is a lot of exposition. So the story is continuing, and uh, I, I like that uh, they they have a giant chest, and it's like no awards for excellence uh, in prison. The contraband, <laughs> yeah, no Emmys, no Golden Globes, not no even, Oscars, no, not even an Oscar. And they throw the thing into this giant bin, and I, uh, I, you know, I. Bob also, uh, for the record, is uh, prisoner uh, two four six zero one. I made sure to note uh, note that. I don't remember. Is that the the stu- animation studio number? I'm trying to think because I know that there, that num- like there's a number thrown into a lot of cartoons. No, um, two four six zero one isn't that um, Jean Valjean from Les Mis? Oh, you know what? I think you might be right. I think you're onto something with that. I uh, but Bob gets a. You know, answer from the prison pen pad. Jean Valjean. Boom. Good Off the top of my head. Good job, Sean. Good job. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as far as that goes, uh, uh, you know, Bob gets this letter from the prison pen pal uh, system. And uh, Selma talks about how, you know, she can't find a, a man among the law abiding. She sends her photo, but it's a photo of her and her sister, and she doesn't remember which is which. Uh, and Bob sends a, a reply saying that she set off an alarm uh, in the, uh, oh no, she uh, caused a riot in the maximum security wing of his heart. Aww. Ah, indeed. Uh, Bob decides that he's going to be the best prisoner ever so that he can get out of jail early so he can be with her, maybe, maybe not. Uh, we uh, see that uh, Snake is at a turkey dinner that he's uh, hosting uh, along with uh, uh Weirdly enough, there's one in here that I, I don't know if anyone else would have caught, and it I think the maybe the skin coloration is slightly different, but he looks like the inmate who gets electrocuted uh, during his own execution in Hurricane Nettie. The one who goes flying in the air when the hurricane hits, and he's like, so long, suckers, and gets hit by the power line anyway. I didn't notice that. I gotta look back at that now. Yeah, take a peek back at that, because he looks a lot like that guy. I think it's a slightly different skin tone. I watch both of the, those episodes a lot, Hurricane Nettie and Black Widower, so... I'll probably do them back-to-back one yeah. day. Just check that out. Yeah, absolutely check it out. Uh, Bob plays violins for the Conjugal Visit trailers, which Conjugal Visit trailers we'll see uh, next season. Yeah, we will. Oh, God, I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> then uh, as uh, Bob gets uh, you know uh, kicked out of jail because he's been so good, he says goodbye to Cutter, Ice Pick, and Snake is finally Snake named. Snake is finally named. I have that in my notes. Also, we forgot one of my favorite lines. Oh, yeah? When he gets a picture. Yeah. It's the picture, and it gets a letter. And it says, here's me and my sister riding a tandem bike. I forget which I am when I am. <laughs> That's fucking hysterical for Patty and Soma. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like that. I... Uh... And uh, so, you know, Bob is is told the, the story of the Simpsons, and I, I, you know, I think it's uh, Patty tells Selma that, you know, Bob's a once-in-a-lifetime catch, and Bob, of course, is charming as ever, is like, I hope the police are saying the same thing, ha, 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 and everyone laughs, and 
Bart is upset. Everybody's buying this nonsense. There's no way he turned over a new leaf. And I, uh, you know, Bob asks Selma if he can do something bold and shocking. And I, uh, she says, yeah, but no tongue. And he says, probably the line that grosses me out the most. Though kissing you would be like some, de- uh, a kissing some divine ashtray. Aww. Oh, God. I, I'm allergic to cigarettes anyway, and so, like, they kind of gross me out, and there's just, yeah, that just grosses me out beyond belief. But uh, Bart, or uh, Bob asks Selma to marry him, and Bart tries to plead, you know, pleads with her. He's like, don't do it, Aunt Selma, that man is scum. Then call me oh, Mrs. Scum. scum. And Bart is not thrilled about this. Uh, they then have kind of a montage of love. So they're at the Happy Sumo, which we've seen before. It's the sushi restaurant and karaoke bar in uh, Springfield. And uh, the two of them sing Something Stupid by Nancy and Frank Sinatra from uh, 1967. I thought Nancy and Frank covered that. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, I don't know if it was written for them to sing or if they covered it, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised at least if they were uh, covering it. Uh, but that's at least the most popular version, I would say. I, uh, you know, uh, as as they sing, uh, as Bob sings the song, uh, it's them walking around on like beaches and like, uh, you know, uh, going uh, uh, out in like a paddle boat, you know, by the nuclear plant, seeing like Blinky and stuff, and you know, yada yada, adorable. C. Carson Parks originally wrote um, and recorded something stupid. Oh, do you, did it say what year? Uh, 1966. Oh, okay, so he would have uh, done it, and then immediately after a more popular version was taken over. Yes, one year later. Yeah. That kind of stinks for him. So the reason I knew that yeah. random factoid is, uh-huh. um, so Craig and I both, random note for all of our listeners, we would always burn CDs for certain holidays. That is true. Something stupid got cut from my Halloween CD almost every year for like six years running, and I never put it on there. Oh, so you already had known that that you know there was a different version? Yeah, because I wanted to use the original version of it. That's pretty great. Uh, Just random fact right there. Oh, uh, we also see uh, Hans Molman. Uh, he's going to get his license, and uh, Selma's in such a good mood that she's like, I hope you find true love and lets him pass, even though he doesn't get a single letter right. Yeah, and it's weird because Hans Molman is gonna not have his license pass very soon. That's like, what, season four? Oh, Duff- yeah. Duffless? Oh, you're right, oh, yeah. It's not Duffless, it's... um. Oh, God, the one where they go to Death Gardens. What's the name of that episode? Oh, I... Um, oh shoot! What is that episode? I. Uh, it's the the one where uh, Selma wants a baby. Yeah. Shoot! Uh, you know what? It'll come to us. It's fine. We'll continue on. I. Uh, but uh, Sean, what happens next? They go to uh, they cut to a telethon, right? Yeah, they do. It's kind of weird because it is a reference. Yeah. So they cut to a telethon, and Krusty's there. And he's doing the telethon for the, um, oh, God, what is what is the name of the, the telethon? I don't have it right Oh, it's uh, uh, the, the uh, motion sickness uh, telethon. I, I don't know if I have an official name for it, but uh, uh, telethon, uh, telethon for motion sickness, yeah. We also see Wendell in the crowd. Aww. 
You should see the bus they came to the studio in. <laughs> oh, also, it's Selma's Choice. Thank you, Selma's Choice. I, I knew it would come to me. I... Uh, but yeah, so so what is that in reference to? Because uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, you have Krusty uh, call out the 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 head of the you know the company or whatever the president of the company calls him a goomba, which you know at first thought is he called him a Mario enemy, but apparently goomba is um, interchangeable. It's it's either like a word for Ital- or uh, in Italian for friend or companion, but sometimes it's also used as like an ethnic slur. Which is not good. I probably shouldn't have, you know, used the G bomb <laughs> like I did just a few moments ago. But yeah, that's what Krusty yells. I mean, you referenced Mario first, so it's okay, right? Well, yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, if Mario had, you know, other racially charged enemies, we would be saying things, but we don't. Hmm. I. Uh, but yeah, so the president comes out, and then he brings out Sideshow Bob, and it's funny too because someone in the crowd says something like, "They've been feuding for years," and it's like. Has it been years? So th- that's in reference to um, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin's reunion. Oh. Which I don't remember the telethon it was on, and I'm trying to remember. It was in the 1970s, but I cannot remember okay, the telethon. Okay, so... It's one of Jerry Lewis's. I, so he did a telethon, and they he reunited and became, you know, or, or uh, uh, mended, you know, uh, damaged friendship with uh, Dean Martin? Yes. Okay. I felt like it was probably in reference to something, but I couldn't tell. We get another reference to, I believe, the same telethon in um, Krusty's Comeback when it's Sideshow Mel coming out and singing with him. Oh, the Krusty Comeback special? I believe that's the same telethon, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we'll have to look into that when we do that episode. So we have, uh, uh, you know... We got a dark line at this moment, though. <laughs> when, it you breaks mean, my heart. When Krusty tells uh, Bob that is uh, uh, that like no talent, uh, uh, Claude, like is it fit to hold your slide whistle? And it cuts to Mel at his uh, home, and Mel's like crying, and he says, "I only try to impress." <sighs> is that what he says? I it might be. I don't remember. All I can be is myself. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> it's so sad. It Poor Sideshow Mel. Uh, yeah, and Bart isn't buying it. He feels like uh, Bob's being, uh, you know, a, a, a sideshow phony. Or, uh, I'm sorry, a, a, well, yeah, sideshow phony. I guess that's true. But uh, he feels like he's being a uh, like a Hollywood uh, phony. And, uh, you know, so it, it cuts back to the Simpsons' house, and uh, they're in the kitchen. It's, uh, I believe, Patty, Selma, Bob, and Marge. And uh, I like that Marge is like, okay, Selma, your dress. Mm, I'm not sure what uh, how to ask you this. White. White. Which, of course... That is an awkward scene that I didn't get as a kid, but holy <laughs> shit, is it awkward. Yeah, so uh, there's, there's old traditions where you couldn't wear a white wedding dress if you had slept with someone previously, which is kind of like a weird, creepy way of, like, like ridiculing someone who's, like, you know done what they wanted with their own body, essentially. Yeah. It's kind of gross and terrible. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's funny, yeah, that she's just like, you know, white, don't care, shut up, get off my back. Which the critic has another uh, reference to that same white dress with the debutante spot. <laughs> Beige gloves. Yes, yeah, so I have to ask you this color. We have what's called white and hussy white. <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> she's like, white, 
except the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like, oh god. I uh, and so I, uh, you know. They, they then start talking about appetizers, and Homer's walked in, and he's like, ooh, appetizers. And Bob's like, Homer, you seem to be a bit of a trencherman, which is a you know, person who eats heavily, eats a lot. Uh, and uh, Homer says, uh, what is it? Homer is right on this advice that he's about to give Bob. Cocktail weenies, right? Yeah. Why is that, Sean? Because, brother, <laughs> they come with this red sauce. It looks like ketchup. Tastes, Tastes like, like ketchup, ketchup, but boy, it ain't ketchup. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and so I... Uh, I love cocktail weenies, by the way. I could eat an entire tray of cocktail weenies. They're myself. pretty great. And well, the nice thing, too, is you can do a lot with them, whether they're in the fancy uh, uh, chili sauce or whatever, uh, or uh, if you do like uh, pigs in a blanket with like crescent rolls or whatever. Or wrap them in bacon. It's all delicious. You can't go wrong. And so I, uh, you know... Uh, Bob says, you know, it sounds good to him, and he looks to Selma, and she says, well, you know, it doesn't matter to her. It all tastes like styrofoam, and Bob's like, uh, what? He's like, I'm confused, and she tells, you know, how, or tells him a story about how when she was little, and they were playing with bottle rockets, one got shot up her nose, and she's no longer able to taste or smell. So that's two senses of that she has lost in that point. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you don't have a, t- a sense of smell, you still have a sense of taste. I don't know where that comes from. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe the bottle rocket just really got crammed in there and looped around to her throat and hit back into her mouth. I think it comes with that common misthought that people have that if you don't have a sense of smell, you can't taste anything because you plug your nose when you don't want to taste something. Huh? Oh, yeah. And you barely can smell any damn yeah. thing, can you? Yeah, I have no sense of smell almost, but I have an incredible palate. Well, that's all that matters. I'm, well, I mean, arguably to you, it's probably would be nice if you could smell, but uh, mm. anyway. If I can taste the wine and tell the differences <laughs> between the wine and tell you the notes that are on the wine, I'm okay if I can't tell the fruity aromas that it has. That's fair. God, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, my God. Maybe a little. Maybe Why is the little. first thing I go to? Good God. Maybe a little. So Bob lets Selma know, though, that you know this wedding's spinning out of control. He's already gone through eight of the $10 he was given when he got out of jail. And, uh, you know. That's a dark and sad joke, by the way. Oh, yeah. And it's true, pretty much. It's true. Prisoners get paid almost nothing. On average, they get paid 50 to 75 cents an hour for the work they do. Honestly, I thought it was less than that. Yeah, it's it's not much. Yeah, they they don't get squat, and then when they leave, they basically hand them like a five or a ten, and they're like, "Here you go to get you on the bus." And it's like, oh, yikes! And uh, you know, Selma tells Bob though she goes, "You know what? Don't worry about it." Uh, she I invested in mace right before society crumbled, which uh, mace was invented in uh, 1965. Good on her. Yeah, so, you know, she she would have had to have had those stocks in there by 1965. And given her age, uh, she would have probably invested, what, in the 80s? No, she probably would have had to get into it in the 70s because it would have been a privatized business in, like, 1965. It probably wouldn't have gone public until about the 70s where she could have invested in it. So So sometime in the 70s? She probably invested in it around the time she was in high school, getting out of high school and hating men. Oh, if I had to guess. that makes sense. 
That definitely makes sense. Trying to put it in the character for her. Uh, And so they're on a stagecoach next. Uh, So they're, they're, you know, having a romantic little date. And, uh, you know, Sideshow Bob tells her that soon you'll be Mrs. Bob Terwilliger. Yeah, first time we get his full name. Uh huh. Well, technically, we'll eventually get his we, middle we name. We don't get Robert Underdunk Turnwilliger yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. Spoiler <laughs> for his middle name. And so, uh, as as they start making out, as they do pretty frequently in this episode, uh, Selma realizes that MacGyver's almost on. Bullshit. Oh? Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on this scene. Then explain. So, she has admitted that she has money. Uh-huh. There is no way in hell she does not have a VCR set up to record MacGyver every single day. Oh, uh, you know. Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I know she wants to get home and watch it, but there's no reference that, oh, you can watch the tape later? Nothing. No. Bullshit. I mean, here's the thing, She's though. She's bummed out that she didn't get to see him in a tank top. She's sad. She'd get to see that later on if she recorded it. Bullshit. I, here's the thing, though. I am poking holes in this right here. I mean, no, you're probably right. You know, with the amount of money that she has, she should be able to afford a VCR and stuff and be able to tape, have her sister tape and stuff. Yeah, that's her spank bank. Come on, Craig. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you got to think there's definitely people who don't really like technology, don't like movies, are bad with it. So, like, you know, I mean, it's it's not impossible, but you're right. It's It's very unlikely that someone who could very easily afford a VCR wouldn't have done so for their favorite thing in the world. Yes. I... Uh, that that bugged me going back to this episode, and I just had to point that out. So Barney's the coachman. She gives him a fin, $5 bill, and she's like, don't spare the whip. And he's like, whatever you say, mom. And uh, which is just a really weird scene, especially because this stageman, this coachman of Barney Gumball, is about to be at their wedding. Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird, but whatever. So uh, they arrive, and, you know, like you said, uh, uh, you know, she missed him being in a tank top. And she's like, dang. And she kicks the, like, uh, loves or uh, the uh, ottoman aw- uh, away. And Bob is like, you know, I thought I was the only man in your life. And she's like, sit down and shut up. It's like, whoa. Yikes. And so. Bob is forced to watch through MacGyver, who's been saved due to the gravitational pull of the moon or whatever. And Bob is don't, livid. Don't thank me. Thank the moon's gravitational pull. While while Patty and Selma are just like super excited that they watch that and like you know are so happy, Bob almost lets his plan cr- just crumble in his hands as he has too high of standards. And so they get into an argument about, uh, uh, you know, MacGyver, and Selma is just upset beyond words, and she's like, you're lying, and runs away, and you gotta think, for a few moments before Bob left, that had to be one of the most awkward moments ever, right? Like, sitting there with Patty, who's just like, you just made my sister cry, and him being like, MacGyver's stupid, (laughs) come on. (laughs) The show sucks, I don't know what to tell you. So, which, they go to huge lengths to protect MacGyver. They really do. They strip Jay Sherman down to his underwear and hang him from the roof when he <laughs> says that MacGyver's gay. Ah, so Selma is just cannot be consoled. And, you know, Bart's nearby as as Marge is like, they're there, you know, because Selma ran to her sister, of course. And Which Bart is really cute. I gotta point that out. I like yeah. that she ran to her sister. Uh, yeah, I house. like that. And so I uh, Bart's like fiddle dee dee. Tomorrow's another day. Guess the wedding's off. And Marge is pissed at Bart. She's just like Bart. And Selma goes, "No, 
It's a package. Love me, love MacGyver. Bob arrives to try to mend things, and she asks him, she's like, just tell me you like MacGyver. And he's like, well... I can't do it. Even that car chase seemed tacked on. And she starts crying, and Homer... Homer in, is in, like, the greatest moment of his entire life right here. He never, ever gives advice. Ever. And he fucking nails it, man. Well, yeah. I mean, but, but like, in his own Homer way. Yes. So his advice is essentially that whenever she watches MacGyver, Bob can leave, go on a walk, go to a bar, get loaded, stumble back home in the mood for love. And, uh, you know. I mean, that's going to work out great for the relationship if he actually cares about her. Because then, I mean, she watches MacGyver, she gets turned on, he comes back drunk, they get a little action, and it's all a good night <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, real healthy. Yeah. Real healthy. Real, real healthy. And so Bob and Selma have come to terms, and they're they're okay with this. Bob is going to take a, a vigorous constitutional every time that uh, she watches MacGyver. Bart off to the side. It's like, Bart don't like bad medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, must be a reference to like some old like jungle movie or something, right? Tarzan or something like that. Like, it's got to be something like that. Maybe I don't know on that one. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, and so one of my favorite moments in the episode comes next at the wedding. Oh, my God. Is is it the one with um, Lisa? Because she's throwing yes! so much shade. Yes, I love this scene. And so, like, Maggie's walking down the aisle as the flower girl and, like, keeps stumbling. And Lisa's just like... Yeah, if they made me the flower girl, I wouldn't be falling all over the place. And Bart, I love it. It implies him yelling at Lisa implies that that he has had this conversation multiple times with her. He's like, "Look, they chose Maggie," and he's like, and she's like, "Well, if you want cutesiness instead of competence, then fine." That is such a good scene. I love it. I love the just the the mental image of like Lisa being pissed and Bart having conversations with her, and being like, "Listen, I don't know what to tell you. They chose Maggie. She's a baby. She's cute. You know, I just love it." And I, uh, you know, Bart's watching the the wedding unfold, and in his mind, Bob himself has become this reaper. You know, and you know when he says "I do," it becomes this like horrible, horrible, like raspy tone. And uh, then we hear a. And uh, the champagne corks have been flying. Uh, and we see Lisa and Grandpa dancing, which is really cute. Th that's a cute scene. It's really great. We also have Larry and the Crumbs in the background, yeah. the band that we've seen over and over again, who might as well be main characters at this point. Uh, did you see some of the other people in the crowd? So we got um, Wiggum. Uh-huh, we have Wiggum. Uh, Krusty's there. Krusty's there, yep. Who else is there? We have a few weird ones. Lou and presumably Eddie. There's a white cop that you can't see his face, but I'm going to presume it's Eddie. We also have Moe and Barney. And so let's play a game. Who are the guests for? Oh. Because Lou and Eddie and Wiggum are totally invited by Bob because we know Bob invited Wiggum. Well, we also know that uh, Selma works for the city. She does. But we know that Bob invites Wiggum because he says... Would Bob oh. really invite the world or the city's greatest police chief? You're right. You're right. He does. So it had to be Bob. And you know who else Bob invited? Who? Apu and Snake. <laughs> That's amazing. Snake I, I got saw out Snake of jail. And I saw that Snake was there. And he's talking with Apu, who has, you know, he's held up at gunpoint before, which is 
just really great. I don't know. It's just really stupid. It's kind of adorable. Kind of. In oh, a weird we, way. We also have Lovejoy, who was at the wedding as well, of course, you know, doing the reading or whatever. Uh, we also uh, know that Penny and Selma are, what, 41? Yes. Uh, at this time. Uh, Bob also uh, has advised Selma to stop smoking, except for after meals and after MacGyver. And Bob smiles and says, oh, Selma, you'll bury us all. And uh, Bob's kind of villainous. I thought he loved Bart's aunt. He does. He does. He just has a way with words. And uh, also, I like that, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Wiggum gets invited as the number one cop in town. And he's like, where'd I put my gun? Oh, my God. Wiggum is so <laughs> irresponsible. He left his gun by the cake. And there's yeah, all these children are. <laughs> these kids are picking up cake in front of a gun. It's so ridiculous. And so uh, Selma and Patty have one last word before uh, Selma goes off on her honeymoon. And she's like, I don't know what to say. And she's like, just tell me what you know I want to hear. And she's like, I'm dying of jealousy. And she's like, thank you. <laughs> they hug. Such a good scene. Which is interesting because, like, you, at this point, we don't really know exactly what's up with Patty. Because previously in an episode, we know that Patty doesn't like to be touched. So she's maybe asexual. We know that she did like Skinner, but she also knew that she had to be with her sister because her sister took priority. And Patty is apparently a little bit stronger and can be on her own without, you know, worrying about it. But Selma can't. So, like, at this point, like, what is. I almost wondered, like, like it would have been nice to experience, like, what's going on with Patty uh, further, just to know what's, what's you know, her direction in life, if her sister was to leave her. So, I like that in fan fiction seasons, Patty is gay. I'm cool with that. Like, I, I don't really have a problem like with that. that yeah. Because she posted a lot of hints towards it. Mm-hmm. But yet, I would have liked to see more of her opinions on this whole wedding. Yeah, opinions we, on we the wedding. cram a lot into this brief episode. That is very true. There's a lot going on in this episode. This episode flies very quickly because there's a lot of exposition at the start. And, you know, funny lines that kind of balance it out and you get to get a lot of depth of character. But yeah, it just flies through the rest of it. So, I, uh, you know... Bob is is riding down the, the street. Selma's sleeping, you know, leaned up against him as he drives. And he says something like, you know, he's like, that's it. He's like, the wedding has been hard on you. He's like, and the honeymoon is going to be murder. <laughs> <laughs> and as he drives off, his cans fall off the back of the car. We see that the license plate is IH8 Bart. What a lucky bastard that he got one of the plates he put up. I mean... That, that's random. That's not a personalized plate. Technically, technically, it's... Uh, it's uh, it, it, Let's say there's one in a million odds. It's technically two in a million odds because it might be Selma's car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I presumed it was Selma's, honestly. And it's kind of funny that she never noticed that she has an I hate Bart license plate. Because you got to think he would have made it while, while he was, he was in jail, in so and it's been a else. bit, yeah. Uh-huh. Although maybe he rigged the system at the DMV because he works. His girl works at the DMV. That could be. Hmm. Uh, anywho, so I. Uh, it cuts to the the Simpsons household, and uh, we have uh, uh, 
Is that the time when uh, Patty comes in because she's feeling a little lonely? Yes. Yeah, so Patty comes in. She's feeling a little, uh, uh, you know, she's melancholy. lonely, a.k.a. Yeah. we need to get all the characters in one room <laughs> so we can have a big scene. Basically, yeah, because we've been led to believe that Patty wouldn't normally be very touchy-feely, though, you know, we've not seen her without her sister, honestly, so who knows. Uh, so... Uh, she's using like some camcorder from some cousin and the blank tape that Homer gave. And Homer's like, and after we watch it, we can tape over it. <laughs> and uh, they went to Shelbyville Falls, uh, where the Rolling Rock is. I love that beer. <laughs> and uh, in the background, Bob's really going to town on Dennis. He's fucking Dennis? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just over the table. No. Uh, he's just beating the hell out of Dennis, and he's like, listen here, you brainless luggage monkey. He's like, I want the one with the fireplace. Don't look the one in the brochure. And then, like, he turns and sees the camera, and he's like, oh, I was just speaking with my friend. He lifts the little uh, uh, name tag. He goes, Dennis. And uh, he's like, smile for the camera. That's a good lad. And... Uh, uh, he sets, you know, as they get into the room with the fireplace and he starts it up, he goes, ah, fire, scourge of Prometheus, toaster of marshmallows, eradicator of dead wood. Oh, Selma, dear, you and your camera. And uh, by the way, Prometheus is the Greek god that gave mortals fire, but then Zeus was a giant dick about it and like torched him and made uh, eagles eternally pull out his liver. Oh, no, Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> but... But Bart is suspicious. Bart is not feeling all this. He's a little iffy. Uh, especially, you know, when he can't really... Uh, oh, oh, I have in my notes that Patty was feeling lonely later. Oh, okay. So she pops in a little bit after the scene. Uh, also, Sean, have you ever been in a mad rush to clean yourself after making love to somebody? No. What? Really? You've got to be a minority. I can't be... I can't be the only one who's done that, right? Listen, I shower like a maniac, but I'm not in a mad rush. I shower like three times a day sometimes. Is it because you made love with someone? No, it's just because I'm a maniac. Oh. I feel like I'm living a weird life right now. Yeah, I live in a healthy relationship, Craig. It's okay. Mm. Huh. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, and as Bob looks in the mirror after cleaning himself after making love to, to Salma, he goes, even murder has its ugly side. And she shouts in to ask him to rub her feet, which we've seen him do earlier in the episode. And we get a voice clip that will get reused, and it's one of Sideshow Bob's most famous voice clips. <laughs> it is the same noise they use when he hits himself in the face with a rake in Cape Fear. Uh, and I want to say almost every episode after this, anytime Bob's in there, there's an, uh, a scene where they'll use that, uh, that, that noise, it, which is an amazing noise he makes. Oh, it's Just so good. So it miserable. so angry. And so I, I didn't want to spend hours on the notes here. So uh, while he's rubbing her feet, he basically goes through all these different languages. <laughs> this is one of the funniest scenes in the entire episode. It's so good, and and I I don't I couldn't do it justice without like putting down every single line and what language it's and in, butchering the languages because we right. don't speak the languages right. fluently. Yes, I I'm I'm not terrible at language, but I'm certainly not that good. Uh, and so, you know, while Bob is like rubbing her feet, he's like, soon I will kill you. And she's like, what? And he's like, oh dear, I believe that it's almost time for your MacGyver. And she darts out of bed and Bob just smiles. Uh, 
And uh, you're, you're right. This is where she comes in the house. Yeah, and then right before, uh, as Bob leaves on his walk, as Selma's watching MacGyver, uh, Bob's like, "Time for my walk," and she just sort of grunts and he goes, "Don't forget to die," and then shuts the door. That's weird. That's the same thing you say every time I leave somewhere. It's true. It is. <laughs> it's a sign of endearment. Bob still loves Selma. I'm sure. Maybe, possibly, perhaps. Uh, and yeah, so Selma's uh, uh, while she's gone. Patty is feeling lonely, and I, uh, you know, as MacGyver begins, it's like you know, uh, next episode or next uh, coming up next is MacGyver, 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 and Bart's like, Selma has one hour to live, and Homer's like, hey, down in front. So, mm-hmm. this episode has a bit of a murder mystery theme to it. It sure does. It's the only one that we'll probably ever get in The Simpsons other than Who Shot Mr. Burns, which kind of has that feeling. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I think that there's always a little bit of investigative stuff going on with Sideshow Bob episodes, but this one is like a true murder mystery. There's a reason for that. This episode has a guest yeah. writer on it. Wait, really? Thomas Chastain. He was a uh, crime fiction art author mm-hmm. who The Simpsons brought on. He's best known for Who Killed the Robbins Family and where and when and how did they die? <laughs> so those I'm, titles. I'm gonna read you some of these titles and just tell me if they sound like Troy McClure movies because they really <laughs> do, and I was losing my mind. So do you know who Perry Mason is? Well, that name's familiar, but I don't know off the top of my head. So Perry Mason is like a TV. Um, he's like almost like the law part of Law and Order. Oh, okay. So he was spun off into all of these different things where they'd have like short radio serials, mm-hmm. and he did a couple of them. Perry Mason in the case of the burning bequest. Uh huh. Perry Mason in the case of too many murders. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Troy McClure movie. <laughs> that is a Troy McClure movie, right? Yeah, he was a famous um, murder author who they brought in to help write this episode. It honestly shows because this episode is, and, and we'll talk about it later uh, later on too as we're kind of closing out, but like this episode has that real murder mystery air because really they've given you the clues. Like you, like right before Bob enacts his plan and leaves, you technically had a, a chance to figure out exactly what was going on, which is really interesting. It's one of the reasons I like rewatching this episode to get that feeling. Uh, it's actually why I love rewatching uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1. Yeah, it's it's really nice to get all those clues and like yeah, I I, I love murder mysteries. What Which am I? We might be doing a Patreon special about that on Smartline. Yeah, well, probably we're probably we're gonna probably. do that. We're probably gonna do it, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, we're probably recording this so right after this. Yeah. So I'm not going to get into other murder mysteries I love because you have Patreon for that. So uh, the moment Bob takes uh, uh, to put on it, it, well, let me back back up a bit. Bob is at the hotel like like pool he's at like a little like stand that has drinks and the room up you know behind him explodes and uh which i guess we should explain as bob left the room he put down her cigarettes put down matches and then he went ahead and turned the gas on in the room and left but how will she smell the gas exactly and so Bob hears the explosion behind him, calmly just sits there while everyone runs around screaming. And I love the moment he takes to compose himself as he calls up and he goes, front desk, front desk. He's like, there's been a terrible accident in my room. 
And uh, uh, as he heads up, you know, into the room to see the explosion and like see his masterwork, uh, you know, be there, and uh, you know, have having you know unfolded, he's like, "Poor Selma, you were having such a lovely evening." And then, much like his song earlier, he goes, "And then I went and spoiled it all by doing something stupid like explode you." And he turns the chair around to see his dead wife. Only to see Bart Simpson, who says the only victims were Best Western Hotels. That's fucked up. He's expecting his wife blown to bits in that chair, and he's going to spin it around. But he didn't really love her. I mean, yeah, it was his wife, but it was for money. Still, you think he would have just been like, oh, no, let the police put this all together and not have gone in there to see the exploded body. That's why he's a sociopath and an evil villain. He has to go there. It's like one of the villain guidelines. But I did want to bring up, uh, Bart says that, you know, Best Western Hotels are the only uh, uh, victim there, right? The Simpsons had product placement with a hotel chain. They did, didn't they? Ramada Inn. They had Inn. Ramada. Ramada Inn in the summer of 1993. Was it a coincidence? The year before, they blow up a Best Western, and the next summer, they have product placement with Ramada? Could be. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not. Uh, now, uh, I, I mean, to be fair, in 2001... Mm-hmm. The Twin Towers had planes crash into them. And then the president said that he had the tallest building in New York after that. Is that a coincidence? I, I mean, he became not. the president later on. I think not. So, I... Uh, <laughs> That's so zany. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. So, uh, I... Selma comes in and, you know, Bob is like, Selma! And she's like, I want a separation. Which is weird because the there is a key difference. Uh, the key difference between legal separation and divorce is that when you're separated, you are still legally married to your spouse, even though you are living apart. If you later decide to get divorced, you have to go through the legal steps necessary to terminate your marriage. Why wouldn't she divorce? I assume it's just a quick way of saying she wants an annulment. And that's kind of what I thought they meant to go for, an annulment. Because, you know, they, they... I don't think they figured the average person would know what an annulment was. That could be. You're right. I mean, you know, like the uh, divorce is huge nowadays. But like even in the early 90s, divorce was getting bigger. But there's still a lot of taboo evolve, uh, uh, involved with, you know, uh, getting divorces and, you know, things like that. Uh, but uh, Bob laments and says, my best laid plans of gang aglay. And, uh, you know, Bart's like, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, Chief Wiggum, is there any room in your you know, prisons for a two-time loser? And he's like, well, no, frankly, but that hasn't stopped us before. And they, the, the cops who are on the scene cuff Bob, and Bob must know how Bart untangled his web. And Wiggum also wants to know. Bart's like, well, I wouldn't want to tell the number one cop in town how to do his job. And he's like, no, no, it's the only way I'll learn. <laughs> Such a good line. And uh, so Bart goes through all the clues. Bob wanted the fireplace for the gas, which someone wouldn't be able to smell. Uh, only needed a, a spark. You know, of course, it's after MacGyver is the only time she would smoke. Uh, Bart tried to teach Homer four times. 
<laughs> all the different like like he at one point he's using puppets to try to tell Homer exactly what's gonna happen when Selma tries to like light her cigarette. And finally he tells Marge, and then they were on their way. And I love that Homer's like, to the Simpson mobile. And Shelbyville is, we find out, 34 miles away from their house. Nice. <laughs> but here's the question, Craig. Yeah? If Bart stopped this, why did the room explode? Uh, Wiggum then goes, oh, well, I feel that one. And uh, uh, basically, while they were celebrating, uh, Wiggum. Lou, Eddie, and Homer, and they were uh, uh, lighting cigars. Wiggum threw one of the matches, and it exploded in the room behind him. He goes, oh, right, the gas. <laughs> Bob, however, is not deterred. And he tells them that when the, de- uh, when the Democrats are back in power, he'll be back on the street with all of his criminal buddies. <laughs> you know what's weird about that? What's that? Bob's not wrong. The next time we see Sideshow Bob, Bill Clinton will be president. That is true. He called it. He did call it. Uh, and so... How come that's not on your Simpsons predicted the future <laughs> list, Watch Mojo? Come on! Yeah, Watch Mojo. Why aren't you, you a big fan idiots. like we are? You dumb idiots. You're so stupid, Watch Mojo, with your idiotic YouTube videos. Making um. millions when we're not <laughs> bastards. Yeah. So, I... Uh, Marge, you know, Selma says that she feels like a, a a real idiot, and Marge consoles her and says that everybody was hoodwinked essentially by by Bob, but there was one little boy who never lost his mistrust. And Bart smiles. He says, "We better get out of here before I leave this hall a gas filled hallway before we all suffocate." <laughs> and they all laugh, uh, and then fades out. I love that line because it's a play on when um, Bob was first caught. Because there's one little boy who never lost his trust in you. Uh-huh. That is. I love I love that line. I kind of wish they ended it a little differently. Like, you know, instead of like them being like, oh, gas in the hallway. Ha, ha, ha. You know, maybe like, you know, one little boy never lost his mistrust. And it like cuts to like Bart with like Aunt Selma or something like watching him like getting taken into the prison or something like that. Like, it, I feel like it would have been a little better than just like the laugh track at the end. Yeah. Like, that's the one of the few issues I have with this episode is the very final moment. It's just like, oh, okay, it ends. All right, that's fine. It's not a great ending. But what a great fucking episode. I'll it say it. It is so good. I love that episode. It is It is by far one of my top five favorite episodes of all time. I love it so much. I love that we both got one of our top five favorite episodes in season three. Uh, yeah, I got two. Point. <laughs> yeah, I got two even. You did. I had I Like Father, Like Clown, and then I had uh, uh, Black Widower, which is, God, so good. God, four is going to be the golden era for me. I can't wait to season four. Oh, God, yeah, four is going to be great. Uh, but, Sean, uh, we're getting close to season four, but before we're there, what was the lasting impact for you for this episode? Because, uh, to me, it goes without saying. It's murder mystery. I'm going to say something different. Really? It's a return villain. It is the birth of Sideshow Bob being a return villain. Yeah, we, we saw him as a throwaway gag. Uh, in uh, a prison while Bart was put in prison because of uh, his ties with the mafia in uh, Bart the Murderer. Yeah, and he was jacked then. Yeah, he was, and no, uh, he's no longer jacked. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bob is back, and Bob's back with a vengeance for the series. Oh, God, yeah. Sideshow Bob will return just about every other season moving forward. And it's great every single time. It every is. single time he shows up, Kelsey Grammer 
nails the part. He does such an amazing job with the voice. The I uh, I love that you know his inspirations for the voice and stuff, which we won't get too deep in, just so we don't take a million years here. I. Uh, but yeah, like definitely search online for like, you know, YouTube videos or whatever of like, you know, his inspirations and stuff. And if you're YouTubing videos of Kelsey Grammer, also look up Kelsey Grammer falling off the stage at an award show because it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I forget which award show it is, but man, he was so pissed. He went in like full side Joe Bob mode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, Sean, I tell you what, though, uh, as we close out the episode, what was your favorite quote of the episode? So mine's kind of an exchange we have between a couple characters. Mm-hmm. That MacGyver's a genius. First of all, he's not a genius. He's an actor. And second, he's not much of an actor. You're lying. You're lying. No, this is lying. That was a well-plotted piece of a non-claptrap that never made me want to retch. <laughs> I have uh, uh, when uh, er, uh, early in the episode while Bob is talking to uh, the Simpson family and uh, the Bouviers uh, we have him uh, uh, discussing what he would have done to Bart if he really wanted to kill him and he says Bart if I wanted to kill you I'd have choked you like a chicken as soon as I walked in that door <gasps> but then what kind of a guest would I have been <laughs>